The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 6 to 7. Uh, the Bible in America uh, study um, was done, and it reported that 62% of people in the communities surrounding our churches would like to read the Bible more. Another study reports though that 87% of the people in our churches want help understanding the Bible better. Yet Bible reading is waning. Recent studies demonstrate that in one generation, the number of occasional Bible readers have fallen by 20%, the equivalent of 700 people per day. Uh, So they're estimating that if this trend continues... By 2040, two-thirds of Americans will have no meaningful connection with the Bible at all. Uh, So the question is, why the decline? Um, Again, there's so much that's happening, uh, so much... Uh, that's, that's being talked about when it comes to the scripture. Uh, it seems like every time I'm flipping through the channels and I go past PBS or uh, the History Channel or the Discovery Channel or, or something, somebody's always talking about uh, the Bible and how it's not God's word. And it, it just seems to be that way. It's even happening in pulpits in America. Where I think I told you last week that there's a church down south that, you know, very, very famous pastor who is basically saying to everybody that the, as Christians, we disconnect from the Old Testament, that the Ten Commandments have nothing to do with us anymore. Uh, there's all kinds of things that's happening when it comes to uh, deciding what is relevant for today, what's not relevant for today. Um, you know, it just, it just seems odd <laughs> that, that, you know, that our God, who knows everything, we, we declare that he knows everything, we declare that he's omniscient, and, and that he has it all, but yet didn't know how to make a, a Bible actually stand the test of time and not be relevant to every single culture for eternity. <laughs> It just seems kind of bizarre that that's just not what happens. And, and the thing is, is the, the reality that I keep saying when the attacks on the Old Testament keep coming, it's like the Old Testament is there to point us to Christ. So if the whole point of the Old Testament is to point us to Christ, why in the world are we disconnecting from it? it just, it's really bizarre um, how we are starting to understand and see the scripture. But it's because of things like this that's causing modern evangelicals today to not have confidence in the Bible. I mean, there's, there's, there's studies that's taken place where, where they're saying, you know, hey, yes, I believe that the Bible is God's word, but it was written by man. I'm like, yes, so why is that an issue? Um, you know, it's just just... I'm not sure that people are really putting two and two together when they're saying this kind of stuff, which is, which is making me wonder, who's telling you all this stuff? Where, where is this stuff coming from? You know. So what we need to do is we need to look at, just really quick again, a quick review. So what we talked about is the common reasons for the decline um, in the important characteristics of Scripture, which is contributing to the decline and people not having confidence in the scriptures anymore. So remember the first way 
that this is happening is we are taking this position where we're just going to be silent about stuff. There's things in the Bible that we just feel like doesn't need to be talked about. If you remember last week, I was talking about how uh, when I was in Bible college, I had an ex-girlfriend who lived her whole life as a Christian, not knowing that God will judge his people by his own hand. So when I'm talking with her about God judging his people, she's just like, no, that's not in the Bible. And then I just quickly show her five or six times in scripture where God judges his people by his own hand. You know, and I just, I just, it was just bizarre. And she was just absolutely shocked and it shook her faith because she's just like, I can't believe that God would be that way. And it's just like when I saw her reaction, I started to think, well, maybe that's why we're not talking about those kinds of things because it doesn't resonate with certain people and they get upset about stuff like that. So we're just quiet about it. We just don't say anything. So there's just some things that we just don't need to tell people when it comes to scripture. See, when we do this, what we're saying is we think we know better than God. Now, I got to be honest. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily want my kids reading Song of Solomon. <laughs> like when we got to that part, I was just like, hey, babes, maybe we should skip that part. But then I got to check. I'm just kind of like, well, but you know what? That's not for us to decide. All of scripture is God's word to be read to everyone. The Bible, the, God even tells us that we need to, we're going to read today, that God even tells us that we need to teach his word to our children. So uh, we're just silent about things. The second thing is one of the issues that we're having to cause a lack of confidence in scripture is um, embarrassment. And I, and I think I remember uh, last week I was telling you this. What, it, what happens is even from the pulpits uh, today, we hear things like pastors getting up and saying, hey, well, today in our passage of scripture, we're talking about judgment. We're going to talk about hell, you know, and, you know, then they say things like this, you know, well, you know, I don't really like this topic. You know, I just don't think that this is a good topic. It's just, I just feel like God is really rude when he does things like this. But since it's in the Bible, we got to talk about it. You know, this, it's like this embarrassment that we have when it comes to certain doctrines, you know, in scripture that we just don't like, that we're embarrassed about, that we don't want to talk about it in our culture. Again, do you know what we're saying when we do things like this? That we know better than God. The third thing that we're doing is legitimizing. We're trying to legitimize the scriptures or legitimize things in the scriptures that the scriptures actually condemn. There's, there's no question about a lot of this stuff. When it comes to things that God condemns in the Bible, there's really no question about this, but there's this effort that's happening, especially now in our modern culture, where we're trying to legitimize certain sins certain behaviors, certain ideologies. We're trying to legitimize these types of things. You know, because let's just be honest. When you read the scriptures, it condemns homosexuality clearly. Why is this an issue? Is this, is this an issue? I mean, I hear a lot of clever things that's, that's coming out, ways that they're doing it, you know, how they're coming around all of these types of things. But man, the straight 
straightforward reading of the text condemns it. Trans, uh, uh, sex before marriage, I can't believe that that's actually being debated right now, whether that's a sin or not. Uh, abortion, like how in the world is that you know, being legitimized? All kinds of things are being legitimized with, from the scriptures. So again, what starts to happen is we get this idea that we think we know better than God. Again, <laughs> the fourth thing is ignorance. Many things in scriptures we just don't know or it just doesn't seem very clear, so we just don't want to figure it out. It's, ambi- it's ambiguous. It's too, it's too locked into their cultural context, so we can't understand. So since we just don't really know about all of these things in scriptures, we just won't deal with it. Well, you know what happens when we do stuff like that? Well, one person says this, the other person says that, and you know, so it just doesn't seem like we know. So guess what we're going to do? Whatever we want to. It's funny, right? It's funny in our culture today. When we see things that we don't know or we don't understand, we never just back off and say, hey, I don't know, I don't understand, I'm just not going to deal with it. No, what we do is we don't know, we don't understand, so I now have license to do whatever I want since nobody really knows. So since we don't really know, I'm just going to do what I think is right. The fifth thing is, and I I talked about this and some of you all had questions afterwards, is that we don't read enough. And again, what I'm talking about with that is not that you all don't read. Some of us don't read. You know, some of us, maybe the last book we read was, you know, our, our English literature class in high school. You know, the, you know, Hamlet or something like that. Not that you guys don't read. Right? But we don't read enough theology. We don't read enough books on scripture. Uh, we don't read enough of that stuff. Like some of y'all came up afterwards and said, hey, you know, what, what are some of the things that we can read? The, the number one recommended thing I give all the time Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Um, the, I, I, I try to read Pilgrim's Progress one time every single year. Why? Because it's such a good book to help you focus on what's important. It's keeping our eyes fixed upon Christ. Because we live in a world where there's just so many distractions, you know what I mean? There's just so much distraction, you know, so many things that's pulling me away from being focused on Christ, being focused on his word. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress is one of those books that helps us. Again, anything that you can read from from the Puritans, especially now uh, in our culture, in our time today, it's it's very, very important for us to to see these types of things. Uh, One of the things that I'm going through personally right now is a book uh, called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Um, I'm, I'm devoting a series on TikTok to this book. It's absolutely uh, revolutionary for us to, to, to read these kinds of things because we live in a society and a culture today where there's so much discontentment. And people are just not content with our lives and we're losing the power of contentment. You know, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, do you think God was lying when he said that? <laughs> you know, so you know, read these kinds of things and it'll help us. But, but Shane, you know, the problem is, is I don't want to read all these things about good theology because, you know, 
I'm a Bible person, man. I don't need to learn all that doctrine stuff. I don't want that theology stuff, man. It's all trivial. It's just a waste of time. It's just for you seminary guys. It's for you, ed, you know, educated guys, but it's not for me, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm not about the doctrine stuff. I'm just a Bible person. And again, even pastors will say stuff like this. I just believe the Bible. I just preach the, the truth of scripture and I don't do all that theology stuff. Remember last week I said, do you know who else says things like this? Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, false teachers, heretics, false prophets. What makes us different from them is our theology, right? Our doctrine. So we don't want to think uh, that, that theology doesn't, we shouldn't think that our theology doesn't affect how we actually read the scripture. Everybody has doctrine. This is the thing I'm trying to get everyone to understand. When people say, hey, man, I'm not a doctrine. I'm about the Bible. I ask, a, I ask questions all the time, and every single one of you all fail. <laughs> I say, can you tell me who Jesus is? And the minute I ask you that, you start to go, well, you know, Jesus is the son of God. You know, he's the second person. Of the, you know what all that stuff is that you're saying? Doctrine. It's all theology. So the issue is, is that it's not a matter of whether you have doctrine or not. Everybody has doctrine. It's a matter of whether you have good doctrine or bad doctrine. Good theology, false theology. That's what it is. So that's why it's important. We got to make sure that we have it right. And a theology really is, we're just saying in, in, in a comprehensive way that this is what we believe the Bible says about this subject. So when, the, when, the, when we're talking about scripture, the subject of scripture, when we're talking about this, like what we're doing now, we're just saying this is what we believe the Bible says about this subject. When it comes to Christ, this is what we believe the Bible says about Christ. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, this is what we believe the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. That's all it is, you know? So we just got to be careful uh, that we're not putting ourselves in that category where it says like, oh, that's just for the, 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 the scholars. That's not for me. No, it's for everyone, okay? So because of these kinds of things, we start to lose focus on the importance of Scripture and why Scripture actually matters to us today. So what's happening in our culture today in so many ways because of things like this, and I could rattle off 20 more things that we do today to cause us to lose confidence in Scripture, but to be completely forthright, I also want to say that this actually could be judgment. And I've been saying this for a while, our, our disdain and people not wanting to hear scripture and all that stuff, it actually could be judgment. Well, what do you mean by that? Because in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the word of God says, the time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That God will judge us by keeping us from hearing the word of God. But it might not be judgment. So today, hear the word of the Lord. Heed the warning. Know the Lord. God is taking his word away from us. If God does that and we are not getting the word of God, it's actually judgment. So if we are not reading the Bible, holding it close to our hearts, are we putting ourselves in judgment? Whoa. 
Let's check it out today. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six to seven. Deuteronomy six, six to seven. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Pray that it will always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is the, uh, the reality of all that is clear in the scriptures. The second thing we're going to explore are the many reasons as to why we struggle to see the clarity of the word of God. And finally, we're going to look at the clearest message of the scriptures. It's called the gospel of Jesus. So our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world contribute to the confusion and ignorance of what is clear in the scriptures, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of scripture that will bring to light what the Lord desires for his people to see and understand, especially the wonders of the gospel of Jesus. So point number one, the bottom line when it comes to the Bible, it's clear. Clear. So this is, this is what I want us to, to do really quick. Think back to the very first time you actually, uh, you know, hopefully we can remember, but think back to the very first time you actually read the Bible. Very first time you read the Bible. Right away, some of you may say, wow, when I sat down first read the Bible, I, I thought it was kind of difficult. You know, some people will say that it was boring, but some people will say that it was difficult. And then some people will say, yeah, there were some difficult things, but then there were some things that were really clear. For me, when I first time I sat down to start reading the Bible, I was 13 years old and I picked up the King James version, so I didn't understand anything. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, what, what happened to this? Yeah, it actually happened this year. I turned 50, 50 years old. Never thought this day would come. Anyway, I'm 50 years old now, and I still don't understand the King James, own, or King James Version. It was difficult. Then in high school, I got myself an NIV, and I got a good friend who explained a lot of the scriptures to me, and it really helped me. So, but what we find when it comes to the scriptures is that there is some difficulty. So I will admit, and we have to admit, that there are some things in the scriptures that are difficult. Okay? The Apostle Peter even tells us this, that there are difficult things in the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So Peter is saying here, yeah, some of Paul's writing. It's hard to understand. So yeah, we, there are things in the Bible that's hard to understand. So yes, yeah, so not all scripture will be easy to understand, but it will be a huge mistake, a mistake made by Rome. And when I mean Rome, I'm talking about the Roman Catholic Church. 
and a mistake made by many, even in modern evangelicalism today, who assert that it's too hard to understand all of the Bible, and some will even say that the scriptures in general is just plain hard to understand. Family, remember, Peter says that some of the scriptures are difficult to understand. He doesn't say it's impossible. He doesn't say it's impossible. And sure, you know, this is the thing that we, we got to understand. For me, uh, my, in, my, in my family, uh, my, my upbringing, uh, like I tell you all the time, I, I was brought up in a very traditional Japanese household. And one of the things that is very, uh, that's mentioned a lot in our household is the fact that sometimes gaining knowledge is supposed to be hard. So, you, you know, you guys ever, I don't know, this is like back in the 80s maybe, so, so hopefully, you know, most of us were alive by then. You know, I, I know my kids weren't, but in the 80s, there was this thing called Kung Fu Theater. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watched it. It's like these old Kung Fu TV shows, stuff like that, where the master is always sitting there. And you know how, like, the old masters, you know, they're sitting with their legs crossed and, and all this stuff, talking to the young pupil. And then the young pupil gets all frustrated, and he says, old man, why do you keep speaking to me in riddles? You know, it's like, why is it always like some kind of obscure thing? Why can't you just tell me, you know, is this right or is this wrong? Well, the wing of a butterfly. No, 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 yes or no. The wing of a butterfly shines brightly in the sun. You know, they say all these kinds of things and it just frustrates them. Because in, in Eastern cultures, maybe not so much in Western cultures, some, but in Eastern cultures, knowledge is, is gain. It's, it's important. It's valuable. So what is told is that you need to work for it. You sit there, you ponder it, you got to work for this knowledge. Because when you work for it and you get it, it's more precious. Hmm. I wonder how precious knowledge is these days for us with Google around. We don't have to work too hard to get it. And we also have a buffet of answers when we ask a question. So the, the thing is, is that the, the scriptures are a lot like that, where we have to, we have, we have to work. We have to, uh, to, to get through this stuff, to study, to understand. So the, the knowledge that we gain becomes more valuable. In our passage today, Here's the thing, in our passage today, the people obviously needed to be able to understand the word of God. So God is saying, yeah, the word of God is easy to understand. So much so and in such a way that it's going to be understandable enough that you're going to be able to teach your children. So your children are not, don't go to, you know, every single day have to go listen to the pastor talk. No, you as parents are understanding the scriptures enough, expected to understand the scriptures enough to actually teach your children. And not just that, but to discuss. This is what he means by talk about them. To be able to discuss the scriptures, to talk about the scriptures, to talk about the word of God, wherever it is that you're going, whatever it is that you're doing, you're able to talk about this. We are expected to be able to know enough to be able to discuss it, to meditate on it, to talk about it, and to teach it. Simple. Simple enough. But it becomes even more vivid 
Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. The teachings of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. So even the simple can understand. Now, here's what's really amazing about Scripture. The important thing to get here is that the Hebrew for simple is not just describing a person with limited intellectual ability. Is that a nice way of saying it? (laughs) Limited intellectual ability. I, I, I came up with that. But it's not just a person with limited intellectual ability. This is also a person who, who lacks sound judgment. In other words, this is a person who always makes bad decisions. Do you guys know people like that? <laughs> that no matter what they do, they always make bad decisions. If there's a choice that they have, they're always going to take the road that, that's always the bad road, right? Now, the scriptures are so clear, so profitable that what the, Bible, the Word of God is saying here is that it can actually make a person who's like this wise. Wow, somebody with limited intellectual ability and who, who lacks sound judgment, who always makes mistakes, the scriptures are able to make people like this wise. It's amazing, absolutely amazing, the power of scripture. For all of us today, who feel incompetent, if you feel ignorant, lacking in good judgment, I I have those moments, meditate on the scriptures and it will make you wise. It reminds me of of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, uh, verses 99 to 100. Okay, easy to remember, 99 to 100. Psalm 119, 99 to 100. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers. I love this verse. I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. Thinking about scriptures, I have more insight than my teachers. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. The Bible is able to make you have more insight than your teachers and make you wiser than your elders. See that? The Bible is actually telling you you can, be, you can have more wisdom than your pastor, your elder, but you got to use the scripture. All right? Not, not because you, you, know, you read Wikipedia every single day. <laughs> the scriptures can make you wise. How wise? Wiser than your teachers, wiser than your elders. Now, Jesus also makes this vividly clear with passages where he holds the religious leaders and even common people liable for their misunderstanding of the scriptures or even their unwillingness to understand the scriptures. It's, you know, I can rattle off a ton of these, but I'm just going to give you one. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. Matthew chapter 12, verse 3. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Jesus does this all the time. Have you not read? Have you not heard? You're a teacher of the law to Nicodemus, right? You're a teacher of the law, and you don't know this? Jesus actually holds us morally culpable 
for not knowing the word of God. Family, let this be an eye-opener for us today. Jesus holds us responsible for not knowing and not understanding the Bible. See, it's, it's no small thing. It's really, family, it's not. It's no small thing for us to be biblically illiterate. And that's one of the things that's happening in modern evangelicalism today is the rise of biblical illiteracy among people who profess to be Christians. Jesus is going to hold us morally culpable for this. Not knowing or understanding the word of God is something the Lord frowns upon. He's not suggesting that all things are difficult and saying, you know what, I know, you know, hey, Jesus said to them, I know it's hard for us to understand, so I understand why you don't know it. He doesn't say that. He says, have you not read Have you not heard? Did you not read? Why do you not know this? Again to Nicodemus, you are a teacher of the law. Why do you not know this? Is the Lord saying this to us today? Why do you not know this? Why do you not know? This is why I keep hammering scripture and and reading and meditating on the scriptures. Because it's not a choice whether we know the scriptures or not. We are expected to know the word of God. We're expected to know it. I mean, we don't, you know, I just kind of wonder, you know, I mean, I'm kind of adding to scripture. So, you know, I'm not doing this officially, but it's just, I'm trying to illustrate something. (laughs) But, you know, in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. You, you did this, but I did this, I did this, and I did this. And he's like, depart from me. I never knew you. And we'd stand there with a perplexed look on our face. And then he might even say, did you not read? We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that no man can boast. Have you not heard? Did you not read? Weren't you in, in at church, at Central Baptist Church in Aurora on Sundays? And you don't know the gospel? Shane preaches the gospel every single week. Have you, have you not, did you not hear? Did you not listen? Did you not, he, have you not heard? Morally, Colby, see, you see the reality of this? This is why understanding and knowing our Bible is very, very clear. And remember, that us not knowing the scripture and us not reading the scripture, we are putting judgment upon ourselves. And family, if we think we're not going to suffer because of it, think again. Let this be an eye-opener for us. Point number two. Why then, though, Shane, do we misunderstand? The problem always lies with us never with the scriptures. There's one thing that we've seen throughout all of church history. The problem when misunderstanding scripture, the problem is always with us, never with the scriptures. You know, it's, that's, that's the part thing that, about our culture and sometimes with human nature that I think is really puzzling and really funny. It's like we make these decisions, we do these types of things, or we come to the scriptures and obviously God is the one that's gotta be wrong. 
right? That's how we approach it sometimes, right? It's like we read the Bible and it's just kind of like, well, that's not right. Is it possible that we're wrong? Is it possible that that's the case? You know, it's like the, the proverb talks about how, you know, we, uh, we, we do our things, we, we work out all our things, we, 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 we live our lives the way we want to, we make all of these decisions, and when things go bad, we blame God. It's amazing. The problem always lies with us, never with the scriptures. So let's understand that, first of all, unbelievers won't understand scripture unless they're actively seeking or if they're awakened by the truth. Again, if they are born again, they can see the kingdom of heaven. So it's not, it should not be a shock to us that unbelievers don't understand and don't know the scriptures. Uh, one of the things that I'm seeing as, as we continue with our evangelism and as we're evangelizing and I'm having these conver- evangelistic conversations with people, when unbelievers actually quote scripture to me and try to point out the flaws in the Bible, 10 times out of 10, they misunderstand the scripture that they're quoting. So it's amazing. They just don't know. They just don't understand they're not going to see, they're not going to understand unless they're actively seeking truth or they're awakened by the truth because the Holy Spirit came. They are now born again and they can see the kingdom of heaven. But this is another important thing. And believers who are not seeking the truth, not protecting the truth, parable of the sower and the seed, not being diligent about the truth, yeah, they're not going to understand either. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. One theologian actually writes this. Scripture is able to be understood by all unbelievers who will read it sincerely seeking salvation... Right, because the gospel of Jesus is clear, and it's clear at all, and by all believers who will read it while seeking God's help in understanding it. So what does this mean? It means, in reality, it's our own sinful disposition, whether by, or, or by, dis, by deception, confusion, or just the influence of the flesh that causes us to, it's how you Americans say, muddy the waters, Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, uh, some of the translations will say hardened, hardened heart, to believe all, uh, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Just f- foolish because you just hardened hearts. You're, just, you're not going to believe what the prophets have spoken. You're not going to believe the word of God. Hardened heart, you're just not going to get, what, what's the issue here? The reason, this is the reason why the scriptures warn us about false teaching, twisting scripture, listening to the culture, conforming to the culture. Many of the clear teachings, the clear teachings of scripture get convoluted and confused because of the pressures of society and of the culture. Our culture today is clearly counter to the principles of the Bible. Do you know that? Like, just think of our culture today. It is clearly counter to the principles that we have in Scripture. 
What's amazing is so many uh, uh, church leaders, scholars, uh, this influential uh, people, when it comes to this stuff, the, the best-selling authors, all that stuff, they're convoluting this stuff to make it not be as counter. And in some ways, not counter at all. The Bible is clear. I mean, let's, let's just, let's camp on here for just a little bit here. The Bible's clear on homosexuality, transgender, abortion. Uh, thank God to the SBC that we got it right. The Bible is clear when it comes to women pastors. That, 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 that's the shocking thing to me. That one's, that one's shocking. It, you know, I don't know, you know, I do not permit a woman to teach nor to have authority over a man. Well, Shane, that's pretty ambiguous. Is it? I, I mean, is it? Just bizarre, the, the things that we're doing. And, and, you know, and like I said, that, you know, there's some of the things that the SBC does and, and some of the things that's frustrating. I'm just, I'm just glad that they, they got this part right. Um, the, the thing that's um, this interesting, though, is why... Is this an issue, though? You know, what's the issue? What's the issue? Hey, Jack, can you, can you turn it off? Can, can I preach for a little bit? Can we just be honest? <laughs> here's, here's the thing. People will say because of the pressures of feminism and women's rights in our culture today, we got we to do this. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, and it is. And, and, and hey, you know what? This is what they say. This is what they say. And so we have to, they have, we got to honor this, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, is there, are there women in this world that could preach better than me? Probably. But it has nothing to do with ability. It has nothing to do with cultural context. It has nothing to do with personal rights and personal identity. It has everything to do with the word of God. That's it. The family, I, I've been through this. We've gone through this, man. I've I, I gone through this. I, 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 when I was young, I was brought up in a church where there were women pastors. And I did everything in my power to do everything that I could to figure out a way to get around that scripture. And I absolutely could not. There's just no way to get around it. It's clear. It's clear. The pressure of all this stuff is the thing that's causing us to, to fall into this place where we're starting to convolute and starting to confuse the scriptures and causing people to not have confidence in the word of God anymore. When people read it, they know. But, you know, with some massaging, with some manipulating of the Greek, I don't know how they do that, but they do. Um, you know, they can make it say whatever it is that they want it to say. And the thing is, is that, you know, you're starting to see some of the backfire with it, right? So we're going to have backfire with this in the church. We're already seeing the backfire that's happening in our culture, right? Uh, the... I forgot the girl's name, uh, the one that came in third or that didn't come in third place because of the, the, the swimmer, Leah. 
yeah, or, or Leah, yeah. She, so now she's suing, you know, because of what she lost and everything that she doesn't have because they, they let a guy swim in the girl's meat. You know what I'm saying? So we're already starting to see the backlash with all of this stuff. And all we're doing is fighting for women's right for all the feminine types of things. But the thing that's funny is we don't understand. This is why I wanted Jack to turn off the camera because people will totally misunderstand this. But what we don't understand with feminism, do you know what their ultimate goal is? Because people are like, feminism is... We're pushing for women's rights. We're, we're pushing to, for the end goal is to celebrate women. So how do you celebrate in feminism? How are you celebrating women? By encouraging women to be like men. Do you understand the, the weirdness of this? We're, we're pushing. You know, sorry, Scott. You know, I'm, 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 I'm stepping on Scott's subject here. This Scott likes to talk about this stuff. To become like men. That's the goal. The more like a man you are, the more committed to feminism you are. Bizarre. Bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. And the reality is, is that people don't understand. If you really, really dig and you really want to know, do you realize that feminism was actually started by men? Yeah, men who owned factories and had factories and they were making things. Well, all the workers in the factory, they all had to go somewhere. They all had to fight a war. So while the men were out there fighting the war, there was nobody there to work in the factories. So guess what these guys did? Yeah, you don't have to be stuck at home anymore. You need to be independent. You need to get out of the house. You need to flex your muscles. You guys know that poster? Flex your muscles and get out there and help us work in the factories. So we're accommodating this viewpoint by doing this. This is just absolutely amazing. Okay, Jack. Greed. Bible's pretty clear on greed. But man, in, in the modern church today, we reek of it. Oh, bad. Cheating, murder. Like we're actually seeing that there's times where it's okay to murder. That, it's, that there's time, you know, uh, to, that, it, that, that we're, it's okay for there to be, you know, abortion. Like abortion is Okay but maybe not through the twisting of scripture because it's really hard to get around that one, so we just redefine what it is to refer to a, a person. So as long as they're still in the womb, they're not a person. They're a fetus. You know what fetus actually means in the Latin? Offspring. <laughs> if we think that somehow, some way, that makes it okay, why are we doing this? Why, why are we confusing things that are so clear in the scripture? Clouding, making it all cloudy, causing many to lose confidence in the Bible with all these gymnastics and all of these types of things. You know, I, 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 I would, I don't know, there's, it's just amazing what we can do today with just a little bit of, just a little bit of thought. 
You know, the whole, the whole time, the whole time I'm watching Al Mohler and, and Rick Warren have this, I don't know if you guys saw that at the SBC convention, uh, Rick Warren and Al Mohler were having this dialogue when they're talking, you know, because Rick, in case you don't know, uh, hey Jack, can you stop that really quick? <laughs> Sorry. In case you don't know, you know, uh, the SBC had voted to remove a Saddleback Church from the SBC because they have women pastors. Um, yeah, great move, uh, absolutely. And 88% of Southern Baptists uh, supported the decision. Uh, so it's not like it was close. Uh, the other side got demolished. But I'm listening to this debate, and I'm just like, man, Rick, you're not trying hard enough. You know, you're just not trying hard enough. If you really, really wanted this to pass, if you really wanted to get the SBC, you just had to do a little bit of thinking. This is what I would have said. Hey, you know what? These, the, the women on my staff that are pastors, they identify as men. <laughs> Check mate. Well, but Shane, we don't want to be an offense to the world. I get it. But it's pretty clear in the scriptures that the message is offensive. First Peter chapter two, verses seven to eight. First Peter chapter two, verses seven to eight. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. So we don't preach because it offends people. The plain reading of the text is just going to offend. It's just going to. It's just going to offend. I got this, I got this one guy on TikTok. He's so mad at me because he made a, a comment. He's like, well, you know what? All of, the, all of us people who were Christians, you know, who believe God and we don't, we're not Christians anymore. He goes, you're going to have a hard time convincing us of that truth. And I said, so you, you're a Christian and you're not a, you're not a Christian anymore? No. So guess what I did? I quoted First John to say, well, hey, you know what? If you, uh, if you are not with us, it shows that you were never with us in the first place. Oh, man. Are you telling me that my faith in Jesus was not genuine back then? Obviously. Oh, he's mad. But maybe we cloudy things up, causing many to lose confidence in the scriptures because we're afraid of what they'll do. So it's not that we don't want to offend. We're afraid of what they're going to do. You know what? If you continue to do these kinds of things, Shane, you're going to get canceled. The culture is going to cancel you. We might actually get assaulted. Somebody might actually punch you in the face. But does not the Bible make it clear that we're going to be persecuted? You see that? The Bible tells us that the message that we preach is going to be offensive. It's going to offend people. So if we're not offending people, maybe we're not doing what? We're not preaching the message. The Bible also tells us that we are going to be persecuted. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You will be persecuted. 
How bad? Really bad. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you. This, this passage of scripture here just demolishes the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? Just boom. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. You see that? God didn't protect them from losing everything they owned. They lost everything they owned and they considered it a a joy. The power. Even to the point where you get canceled, where you lose everything you own, Do we realize that this is clear in the scriptures and a reality in our time? So in order to accommodate the culture, are we willing to add to the confusion that sin and the pattern of this world is already doing in our society? In order to not face what the Bible tells us we're going to face, are we going to bring more fog to the fog the minds of unbelievers are pumping into the playing field? Why are we willing to make unclear what the Bible absolutely makes abundantly clear. Well, salvation is clear. The gospel is the center of the scriptures. The Bible is written in such a way that all things necessary for our salvation and for our Christian life and growth are, the, are very clearly set forth in Scripture. And we see the good news of the gospel in the very first book of the Bible. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The proto-evangelium, the first gospel promise that we see in the Bible, given right after the clear transgression and fall of man. Another thing the scriptures make clear, the law. It is pretty hard to argue with the Ten Commandments, isn't it? It's pretty hard. I know some people try, but it's pretty hard to, to not see what God is condemning and what God is saying. Pretty hard to argue with the wages of sin is death. It's hard to argue all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's hard to argue with eternal darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's hard to argue with no one is righteous, no, not one. You know, it's, it's interesting. Back when I was a pastor in Hawaii, I had this, um, this conversation with this lady who actually was just like, you know, well, no, no, I, I, I feel like I, I have righteousness. I feel like my parents, they're righteous people. Uh, are they Christians? No, no, we're not Christians, but, but, you know, but they're righteous. There's righteousness in them. And I just, and so she says, I just, I just don't think you should say that. When I'm quoting scripture that says no one is righteous, not even one. And she absolutely did the trump card. You remember what I said the trump card was last week? You got to read it in context. She actually said that. She said, no one is righteous, no, not one. 
Shane, you don't understand that. You've got to read it in context. Do you guys want to hear the context? Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. Romans 3, 10 to 18. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. Whoa. That's so much for seeker sensitive. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Context. To which she'd use the other trump card. Well, you got to understand it in the culture. All right. The Bible makes it clear just how far we've fallen. The Bible makes it clear the reality of sin. But the Bible also makes clear that there's salvation for us today. It is clear and it is here. How clear? This is how clear the gospel is. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need more clarity? All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do we need context for that? Need more clarity? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of this clarity was written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. So family, when it pertains to salvation, it's clear and it's here. We don't need to cloudy the truth of scripture. We can be honest and believe that yes, we have fallen short. Yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's hell. Yes, there's all of these types of things. But there's also salvation for us. There's life and life more abundant. There is an inheritance waiting for us. There's the kingdom of heaven that's waiting for us. There is our Lord and Savior who's waiting for us. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit who is empowering us, who's teaching us to see strengthening us. And he's giving us grace upon grace upon grace. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. And we have hope and we can rest in his promise unless you don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. 
and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.